Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that are getting you ready for the play-in week, baby. It is time. All your preparation has come down to this week. Michael, Jason, how are you guys doing today? Splendid. Ready for some playoff football. You know how you know, like, Jason, he's still killing it, but he's, like, fighting for some playoff spots in some of his leagues, and he's, like, pumped, and then Michael's, like, splendid, because Michael's in, like, first place by, like, 200 points in our main league, and then he's, like, in second place in our other league. I'm cruising. Michael's Michael's cruising this, this year. <laughs> Not for nothing, I'm cruising, too. Four leagues, four playoff appearances. Shwet up. All right, so let's get it started right away. What do you guys say? Let's do, do it. it. All right, uh, Saints at Cowboys. Tomorrow is the first game on the docket. Now the Cowboys have a very good pass defense, and the New Orleans Saints have an unstoppable passing game. This is going to pose a problem for one of them. Do you think that this is a kind of down matchup for the usual suspects that you would think would have giant games? Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they are going to be bad or unstartable in any way, but do you think this is a down matchup for guys like Michael Thomas and uh, do you skip out on Traquan Smith and guys of that nature? Jason, let's start with you. I always pass up on Traquan Smith when we're talking about the road. I went over this multiple times on this show. The Tedgin-Traquan Smith combo is one that you only utilize at home. Similar to whoever else you want to throw out there, Tommy Lee, Lewis, Kirkwood, I'm not trusting them. Uh, but then you got to start your your guns from the Saints. Of course you have to start Michael Thomas. I know he might have trouble uh, with Byron Jones who's been playing out of his mind, or Drew Brees might. I'm, I'm just going to jump into this stat right now because it's absolutely ridiculous. The Saints have scored on 71.7% of their road possessions. Unbelievable. I was actually just going over. I was just having a like a fantasy football argument. And Will Lutz, after with all this scoring, Will Lutz is also the number one kicker in football. So it just shows you how much they score, where even their field goal kicker is number one. They're basically double the remove the Saints and the league average for uh possession scored on the road is 36%. The Saints are at 71. Unbelievable. It's absurd. So, that's just not a team that you want to sit your guys. This can be one of those down weeks for Drew Brees. Um, right now, he's too hot to sit him. But if you look at his schedule, it's not like he's switched things up and been super spectacular on the road. He's had cakewalk matchups on the road. Earlier this season, he did struggle a bit on the road. I'm not shying away too much. I think the question here comes down to the running backs. I don't love Mark Ingram here. He's basically been a running back two or better when he scores a touchdown. He's been outside the top 24 when he doesn't. Uh, I think that's the definition of a touchdown-dependent player. I don't like his odds of scoring a touchdown this week, so I'm staying away from Ingram, especially when Alvin Kamara's only seen two targets over the last two weeks. So it's not like we can bank on Ingram to see targets when Kamara's not even seeing targets. I'm, I'm a little uh, – I'm going to have to disagree about Mark Ingram this week. I, have, I think he's a solid RB2. He did obviously come back down to earth last week, but he did have seven and a half points. 
that's not terrible from an RB2 without a touchdown. And you can't forget the monster weeks he had the two weeks before that. And, yes, it is a tough matchup, but no one's stopping the Dallas uh, – excuse me, no one's stopping the New Orleans offense anytime soon, in my opinion. And it's a short week for Dallas to try to figure out the New Orleans offense, which short week's usually bad for the offense. I don't really see it uh, seeing it affect the Saints too much. Well, actually, it's not a short week. They both played last Thursday night on Thanksgiving. So scratch that. But I do think Mark Ingram is in a solid position, same as – Alvin Kamara, like you said, Michael Thomas, you got to start him, and Traquan Smith, I don't even think I have him ranked in my top 50 this week. Dan Arnold, though, he came out of nowhere on Thanksgiving with 45 yards and a touchdown. He uh, he actually leads all tight ends on the Saints in air yards over the last three weeks. His snap count is going up, and uh, he's someone to start considering and maybe stashing if you're in need of some tight end help if he could uh, – continue to keep getting more involved in the offense. Okay. Uh, so you don't think that the fact that this Cowboys passing defense is pretty damn good has, you don't think they're going to go more to their running backs? Cause I, I see this more of an Alvin Kamara game than I do a Michael Thomas game. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Thomas is going to get his, no matter what, no matter who's guarding him, but we do. I also do like Alvin Kamara. I have him as a, we have him as our fifth overall running back this week. So, He's going to get his as well. I'm not trusting Watson, Kirkwood, Lewis. If Traquan Smith is out, you can't really trust any of those secondary options because Dallas has been so stout against opposing offenses this year. But if I have Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara, they could they could each just break out a huge play at any point of the game. So you have to you have to start them if you own them. Uh, let's go over to the Dallas side. Dallas, Amari Cooper all of a sudden is uh, the man of the hour in fantasy football. Um, I thought he could have a good game last week. I didn't think he could have that good of a game last week. Um, when you're talking about the Cowboys and they're playing a defense in the Saints where at one point this was a good matchup, but they have given up 12 points per game in their last uh, the last three games. Excuse me. So now... The Cowboys are kind of on a roll offensively. The Saints are on a roll defensively, including the number one running defense in the entire NFL. What do you see from the Cowboys offensively? Jason, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I ended up ranking Amari Cooper higher than I probably wanted to at 21. So he's a back-end wide receiver two play for me. I don't think he's... Listen, last week, if you look at the two plays that he made, they were good plays, but they were also all yak, where uh, the Redskins played bad defense and... Amari Cooper is able to just catch the ball and run for days. So that's not always going to happen. If he got tackled on those catches, we wouldn't be talking about Amari Cooper. But it did happen, so we have to give it some, give him some credit. He's seeing the targets since he got to Dallas. He hasn't been the guy that everyone wants him to be, in my opinion. He had scored 10 and 14 points or were his highs before last week. I think that's more around where we should expect Cooper to score. Uh, New Orleans is a pretty tough matchup the way they've been playing lately. They also have seen the most passes from any defense this season, and at least they've seen the least rushes. Sorry, I uh, slipped that around. But the Cowboys are going to be a team that runs, so the Cowboys are going to play a different type of offense than the, than the Saints have seen this year. So I expect uh, Amari Cooper to see the number of targets that he's been seeing, around eight or nine, and do something with it. I don't expect him to be a – I don't see the boom potential in this game too much. Yeah, here's what concerns me about Ezekiel Elliott. If you're playing a team in the Saints that 
is the yes, they are the number one. They are the number one passing defense in the league. But I, I mean, rushing defense in the league. But a lot of that, like you said, has to do with game script and the fact that they're out to such big leads that teams can't run on them. So what happens is that they're the number one uh, run defense by fault. Like it's just by default. So when you're talking about that, do does Ezekiel Elliott get it going or does he not have the opportunity? Because they need to pass over and over and over again. What do you think, Michael? I mean, I think you're pushing it a little too far with the by default thing. They their run defense is just super, super impressive. They're yes, they, yes, yes but they're number one. They're number one by default. Like like Jason said, they're seeing the least amount of rushes per game. You could be top half in the league by default. You can't be number one by default. No, nah, they're they're a top half defense that is number one by default. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I just don't agree with you. Uh, I say they're number one because of how impressive they are. I mean, the Falcons in week three, that was a game that went to overtime, and they ran 21. They ran 17 times for 27 yards, so that didn't have to do with the the lead that New Orleans had. But whatever. Either way, Zeke has over 130 rushing yards in three straight games, 21 targets over those three games. So he's become a huge part of the passing game as well. So just by – default you have to rank Zeke in the top five although I don't love his ceiling because the Saints run defense as we've talked about is ridiculously good they're allowing 90 yards per game to opposing running backs total rushing and receiving that's unheard of uh is there anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game let's actually this Dak Prescott has been putting up some impressive numbers against the Saints secondary that has been beatable um yeah let's let's not disrespect the kid he's uh he's put up over 20 points in the last four games yeah a lot of that is because he's using his legs. So no matter how good a uh, defense is, there's always value in a rushing quarterback. We've seen Cam Newton be a quarterback one before. Overall, against tough defenses. I have Dak Prescott at 14 with no buys. It's um, it's not that easy to put him in the top 12. But I definitely think that if you're in a deeper league and you need a starting quarterback option, Dak Prescott has provided himself a high floor in, in a – Against a defense that's pass funnel, you want to pass against them. He should be able to uh, throw the ball a lot, run a bit uh, if he can't find any open receivers. So I'm cool with using Dak Prescott this week. The Saints are giving up, uh, have given up 184 yards to the quarterback on 39 carries and four touchdowns this year. So they are beatable by the quarterback, giving up 22.9 fantasy points per game and half point PPR. So Definitely beatable. I think that Dak Prescott will probably be one of my favorite streaming options this week. But buyer beware because the Saints defense is not the same Saints defense when you're looking at these overall numbers than they have been the past three weeks. They've been absolute monsters the past three weeks, uh, including last week. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, Although Matt Ryan did put up some doable numbers against them. So even if they have a good game, you could still do Dak Prescott. So, you mean, take – Dak Prescott with caution. That's all I'm saying. I, I think like all the things are saying, yeah, Dak Prescott's a good enough play, but I think that he's one of those guys that are just like, uh, I don't know. He might end up being like two interceptions and 194 total yards by the end of this. But if he has the legs to make up for it, he has sure. one of the highest floors right now. He's been running a lot. Sure. All right, let's move on to the next game on the docket. The Chicago Bears take on the New York Giants. Last I checked, Mr. Trubisky's out. Is that, have you guys heard an update on that? I mean, there's not really been an update, so I would, as of now, I'd expect him to be out. But I mean, it's Wednesday, so we don't we don't really know yet. 
So let's. Uh, so we got to talk about this in two ways because when you're talking about this matchup, you have to talk about it with Trubisky and without Trubisky. Uh, let's go with Trubisky. So the passing options with Trubisky. Um, how do you guys feel about them? Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, I don't love the Bears' offensive weapons this week, uh, receiving wise. They've just they haven't really been up to par of late, especially. Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, who we expected to. I mean, Anthony up. Miller had one bad game. Uh, you Anthony, don't, I wouldn't bury him yet. Anthony Miller has seven targets total over the past two games. That's that's not going to cut it for fantasy purposes. Allen Robinson has 11. We we warned you guys after Allen Robinson had that huge game against the beat-up Detroit secondary that he's just going to go back to being regular old A-Rob. Not doing well, and that's what's happened. But Taylor Gabriel's had 17 targets over the last two weeks, basically just stepping back into the huge role he had in the beginning of the year. Uh, if I had to choose the three, Taylor Gabriel is actually the guy I would go with against the Giants because uh, Janoris Jenkins is probably going to be lined up against A-Rob, and even though Janoris Jenkins is not as good as he once was, he's still the best cornerback on that team. So I'd be looking at Taylor Gabriel for some big play opportunities. Bears defense. Loving the Bears defense in this one. Prince of Mukamara revenge game? Yeah. Mukamara's been killing it, dude. I know. Revenge game. Killing it. Pick I'm six not, of Mukamara. I'm not joking. Oh, um, let's try and get a, an idea of what the hell is going on with this running game for the Bears. You put in Chase Daniel and you, and you expect a running extravaganza, except what you get is Jordan Howard for 13 yards on seven carries and Tariq Cohen for... What is it? Fourteen yards on three on three carries. Three carries too. Yeah, unbelievable. That's ten. That's ten carries, not including four for Chase Daniel and not including one for Taquan Mazel. So, what do we make of this rushing game? And is Jordan Howard even a guy you'd play at this point? So, if you're There's no way I'm playing Jordan Howard this week. Uh, like, how many times would you have to disappoint for us to finally? Cut the cord with that guy. I have him as my thirty-third running back. So does Michael. What's up, bro? You you really uh, can't you can't you can't start him this week. He had eight touches last week, and people are probably still gonna want to go back to him because if you look at the Giants since they dealt snacks, Harrison, uh, they've given up six straight games allowing a rushing touchdown. So you would think that someone's gonna get into the end zone. Odds tell you that it's Howard, but we've seen Cohen score short touchdowns this year. Terry Cohen saw eight targets from Chase Daniel last week. So if I'm betting on a running back, it's clearly Terry Cohen. Uh, and even though it's a decent matchup, there's I don't see a way where you can start Jordan Howard unless you're in a 14-team league and it's him or uh, I don't even know. Any other week, I'd say, yeah, give give Jordan Howard a play. Maybe he scores a touchdown. Maybe he does. And it's a good chance that he does. But this week where there's so much on the line, you're either playing for a bye or you're playing for a playoff spot. Or you're playing for positioning in the playoffs, or if you're even if you're not playing for anything, you still want to win. You want to stay out of that last place <clears> spot. <throat> so if you're trying to win, and this is the last week, there's no way you can play Jordan Howard. It's just it's all too you, risky. All you have to do is watch one Bears drive to realize that their offense is way better with Terry Cohen on the field. Jordan Howard just doesn't fit Matt Nagy's system. He's been a he's been terribly inefficient all season. Even going back to the end of last year, he hasn't been very great. This is not a good. Uh, team for Jordan Howard to be on at the moment, and I don't see it translating to fantasy production. How do you guys feel about Trey Burton this week? Uh, he, coming into the year, like, we've had a lot of good takes. Coming into the year, Trey Burton being one of the top tight ends was probably not one of our best takes. Um, 
Although tight end Sucky is one of the top tight ends, but not nearly the production we thought he could. Last week, only one for five. The week before that, four for 20, but the touchdown saved him. That coming off three out of four pretty hot weeks, was that just a mirage, those three to four pretty hot weeks where Trey Burton was actually the guy we expected? Or is this more what you're going to see from him? Four, uh, four targets, five targets, one reception, 20 yards. Is What do you guys think about Trey Burton this week? Yeah, uh, he actually... Did get targeted seven times last week, only four for 28 and a fumble lost, though. And, yeah, he had one target the week before that, so he's not exciting at all. We're talking about a guy who has struggled to reach double digits basically all year. So when it comes to the tight end position, you might be in a spot where you have to start Trey Burton. I wouldn't feel great about it at all, really. I'd I'd probably rather take a shot on someone like Matt Lacoste. Interesting. upside taking over uh Jeff Hewerman's spot. I just it's very, very ugly if you have to trust Trey Burton going forward. All right, you know what that means, right? Let's talk about the Giants. Uh the fo- New York football giants and uh Saquon the leg Barkley are coming back, uh are coming home to take on the Bears. Uh how do we feel about the two stars? Let's get those two guys right off out of the way right off the bat we have saquon barkley who was an absolute animal for the first half and then was completely forgotten about by that coaching staff um and then you have odell beckham who even when he has a pedestrian game it's still five catches for 85 yards uh these two guys are must plays and you don't really think about it too hard i don't know how somebody wasn't fired after that giants game though the eagles went in with their top five cornerbacks hurt and obj only had five receptions it was, it was mind-boggling. I mean, he got nine targets. So the, the running game was that's, that's not okay. The running game was working, though. When they went away from the running game, that's when they started losing. Saquon Barkley had four touches in total the second half. It's not – they they said that it wasn't part of their game plan. It was ridiculous. Just throw OBJ the ball repeatedly. They had wide receivers practicing as cornerbacks during the week. That's how short they were on DVs. Yeah, Michael's 100% right. I don't know how you could defend anything besides that. I mean, I'm not trying to defend it. All I'm saying is, for me, it's more egregious than... Look, what, Shaquan, Bar- Shaquan Barkley had, I think, 17 touches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the first half, and then gets five touches in the second half. That's way more egregious than, let's take advantage of this bad matchup. F- sure, we can, but obviously that's not working because well, when we go away from the run, that's when we start fucking up. So let's let's go with our strength. You can't, Dude, you can't work because Eli Manning, let's not forget, sucks. OBJ, sucks. OBJ was targeted zero times in the third quarter, so you can't. Use that as an excuse. If you're not going to use OBJ when the Eagles don't have their top five cornerbacks, when are you going to use them? I mean, I have, him my, I have him as my 15th receiver this week. I, I'm concerned. You're bugging. If you look at against Chicago recently, Kenny Galladay, Stefan Diggs, and Adam Thielen all had success against them. But the one thing they all, in com- all had in common was volume. They all had the volume necessary to put up good numbers against them. OBJ has five catches. Mo- Max in the last three games he's played. Right now he's more of a high end wide receiver too because of Eli Manning. I disagree. Um, I yeah, still I have OBJ as a wide receiver one. I have him as my wide receiver. Uh, where is he? As my wide receiver eight. That more, makes more sense to me. So I still like him as wide receiver one just because the Bears, when they do get beat, it's by wide receivers. It's not by the running back. It's not by well Barkley could change that easily, but. Usually it's not by the running back, it's not by the tight end, it's by the receiver. And after what happened last week, 
I expect the Giants to try to get OBJ more involved. So I, I do think he has a solid game. I got to tell you guys a hilarious stat about this offense. Go ahead. If you, uh, I got to, uh, I saw this. No, that just, stat was hilarious. No, because I, I just, I can't even believe it. I can't even get it out. Uh, I got it from Rich, Hi- Rich Hyber of Roto World. Eli Manning leads the league in third down completion percentage at 74%. You think that's good, right? And then you look at the Giants, and as a team, they're 17th in first down rate on third down pass attempts. So he's leading the league in completion percentage, but it only gets a first down 41% of the time. So this guy's a check down all-star on third down. Nick, Nick has always said on veterans minimum, Eli Manning is the best player to get you five yards when you need seven. It's unreal. <laughs> That's why Barkley and OBJ didn't touch the ball because they can't stay on the field. Yeah, it's terrible. All right, let's talk about the ancillary characters here. Uh, honestly, if you're playing for your playoff life and you're starting one of these guys, then that's probably why you're playing for your playoff life. No offense. Um, Sterling Shepard, another shit game. Uh, well, what's his name? Didn't even play uh, the tight end. And instead, Rhett Ellison got in in his place, but he had a pretty good game. Four for 77. He did. Does Rhett Ellison's production give you hope for Evan Ingram? As we always say, if... Ingram and Shepard are both on the field. Get the Matty Fancy lineups. It's simple as that. It's literally been true for the past two years, but everyone else in the fancy industry just ignores it. Sterling Shepard was widely ranked as a top 30 wide receiver last week. Just The last two weeks against Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. I was the only person in the world yelling not to start him. Evan Ingram, too. I'm tired of their shit. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about him. We're spending too long on him. The Tampa Bay game was the only one where I was like, all right, if you have to start them, go for it. But since then, just it's it's over, guys. It's over. Just don't do it. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, all those David Johnson owners doing flips because they thought Byron Leftwich was the savior. Um, yeah, they're not doing flips uh, anymore because David Johnson shit the bed. Uh, he did have a lot of attempts, 17 carries for 63 yards. You can't uh, be mad at that, but only two for 16 in the air. He has his first pedestrian day. How do you feel uh, about him in this matchup against the Packers? You know, there was a lot of talk about how Byron Leftwich is using David Johnson as a receiver more. And yes, that's true. But more than Mike McCoy was using him doesn't necessarily mean a lot. He had one game where he had 10 targets. The other three that Byron Leftwich has coordinated, uh, he had nine targets. So, combined. So, no, the David Johnson we know and love is not completely back. He's semi-back. He's not, he doesn't have the ceiling that we all hoped for. What so, about, right now, he's more of a... What? what about in this matchup, though? Green Bay is 31st in the league in DVOA against the running back. They've been really susceptible to the running back out of the backfield. Is he going to be used? That's the yeah. That's the real question. Because if he it obviously if he is, he has the ability to be successful. Yeah, it's a it's a good matchup, and if you have him, you're deploying him. But you can't bank on him being a high end running back one at the moment. Where do you have him ranked this week? I have him at fourteen. Michael Larry Fitzgerald has uh, resurrected a. Uh, season that a lot of people just put in the dumps. He was getting released at certain points in the middle of the season. Uh, has a touchdown only 30 yards, but does salvage the day with the touchdown. Uh, Christian Kirk seems to be the number one receiver for Josh Rosen. It's just that Josh Rosen continues to make 
dumb mistake after dumb mistake because he has absolutely no time in the pocket. Uh, there, it's a dumpster fire over there with the Cardinals. It's it's very Browns ish, um, where you just see a young quarterback just struggling so much because the offensive system sucks and the players around him uh, protecting him suck. So he has all these weapons but can't utilize them. Uh, how do you feel about these weapons in the passing game? Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Ricky Seals Jones. So uh, Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, you're talking about his resurrection and then the down game last week saved by a touchdown. Uh, it was strange. Uh, Christian Kirk actually ran the slot routes last week, which was interesting because on the year, Larry Fitzgerald has run 70% of his routes from the slot and Kirk has ran 35% in the slot. So it's a little strange that Kirk basically took over last week, but I don't think that's going to remain the case going forward because Larry Fitz had his best two games of the year, the two weeks prior to that working out of the slot and the Cardinals offense just in general wasn't great last week. So I think it'd be a little strange if they kept Christian Kirk in there the whole game. So I do like Larry Fitzgerald this week, especially against the Packers who their young guys are doing very well, but uh, other than Jair Alexander, they they've been getting beat by the pass. They're bottom five overall against the pass fantasy wise this year. So I do like Larry Fitzgerald as a high-end wide receiver three this week in a game where I expect the Cardinals to be needing to pass pretty often. And Christian Kirk actually has my wide receiver 36. So a low-end wide receiver three or high-end flux play because if he gets work out of the slot and even if he moves around, he's been pretty consistent all year. And uh, they seem to be wanting to get him involved more often. So So we're just going to ignore the fact that Larry Fitzgerald has four catches in the last two games. He has three touchdowns. It's absurd. He's being carried by that. But he has four touchdowns total. I mean, four catches total. And you're just going to ignore the fact that he has three touchdowns. Yeah, I am. Because catches are easier to predict than touchdowns. And if you look at the Green Bay defense, they've been a lot better at home. They're a top 10 defense when they're at home. And they're bottom five in the league when they're on the road. They're at home. They're in a must-win situation. Larry Fitzgerald has four catches in the last two games. All right, he had last week he didn't work in the slot. He had 30 targets the three weeks before that. Like you just, this is like the most recent recency bias thing you've ever done in your life. <laughs> I think I think it's it's fair to say that um, this team is game script dependent. If they yeah. if they face a team that they have a chance to score on. They can get a couple of good fantasy games out of it. But, I mean, it, at the end of the day, that offense itself, you can't expect big days from anyone in that offense on a regular basis just because yeah. of the offense itself. Yeah, and it's it's not like I'm saying they're tremendous plays. They're, they're ugly plays, but they're also not terrible plays depending on who's on your roster. Don't say ugly and not terrible when you have Larry Fitzgerald ranked at 24. I mean, why? I mean, that's – for people who start to – Two wide receivers, that's right on the edge. Yeah, even three wide receivers. There's a lot of people who have three wide receivers better than the 24th ranked receiver. Yeah, and also this is this is Wednesday. Michael can change that as the week goes on. I mean, I, I probably you know? won't. Um, let's go over to the Green Bay side, though, and get ready to cringe, all you people that reached for Aaron Rodgers when we told you not to. Aaron Rodgers comes in at quarterback 12 this season that's right quarterback 12 now to be fair Kirk Cousins is quarterback um 11 and he's played an extra game I so, saw real quick too I'm gonna cut you off because I saw this ridiculous stat on Twitter 
I can't shout out who said it because I thought I liked it or took a screenshot of it, but it turns out I'm an idiot and I didn't do either. So I couldn't find it again, but I remember it. Uh, the Packers actually, Aaron Rodgers has thrown over 60% of his passes outside the numbers and no other team is even in the 40s. Every other team is under 40% in that range. So that's how like bad, badly run the Packers offense is that they just have Aaron Rodgers making the hardest throw possible in the NFL outside the numbers. We're going to start blaming Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I don't know if you can, man. Yeah, Honestly. Is that a joke? Yeah, I mean, how? He's he's earned he's earned no. He's earned uh let's question the coaching staff first. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, hold on. Man. Let me get it let me get this straight. If if I was in control, I would have fired Mike McCarthy 83 years ago. So, I'm not on the other side here. I'm just really saying, short leads, Jason. I'm just saying. Can we start blaming Aaron Rodgers a little bit? No. No, no we can't. Not at all? No, not Jason. even a little. He has thrown over 60% of his passes outside the numbers, which I just said, the hardest throw in the NFL. He has one interception on the season with 20 touchdowns. So, please shut your mouth. Let's move on. <laughs> Dude, I'm just playing the uh, – what's it called here? Advocate. Yes. Jason, no, honestly, get that shit out of here. Jason, whatever, whatever like, uh, reason you were angry last week, Michael is that this week. Michael, don't question, Michael's don't feisty question this week. Almighty Aaron Rodgers, all right? Um, all right I'm just going to follow up here with uh, Michael's new favorite player, Aaron Jones. Yeah, go for it. The Cardinals are the worst team in the league in giving up yards to running backs, and Aaron Jones leads all running backs in fantasy points per rushing attempt. What does that mean? That means Aaron Jones is super hot fire. Oh, yeah. And let's see. Let's see if that coaching staff gives him the ball because Aaron Jones, he, again, killed it in the first half, kind of like the same thing as Saquon Barkley. And then the second half last game, oh, where did Aaron, Aaron Jones go? No one knows. No one knows Lots Aaron Jones. The Packers blow. Um, yeah. Uh, Can we also touch on Marquez Valdez-Scantling? No, I was going to go to the wide receivers next. Devontae Adams is a must-play. He's been an absolute gem for anyone who took him in the – Late second round, early third round this week, this year, he's been an absolute stud. But let's go to the other two guys: Equinemia St. Brown and Marquez Valdez Scantling. Equinemia St. Brown seems to be taking uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling's role. It's yeah. becoming very apparent that they prefer St. Brown to MVS. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it that it's because MVS learned the playbook quicker, and that makes a lot of sense as the reason why this is happening. He knew the playbook. He was able to run plays. Aaron Rodgers was hitting him with passes. But once Equinemius learned the plays, they prefer Equinemius to MVS. MVS takes a backseat. It seems to be what happened. And people are still using him. I, I wouldn't even touch MVS with a 10-foot pole. What yeah. about Equinemius St. Brown? If you're a Marquez Valdez-Scantling owner, do you drop one for one and just plug in St. Brown where MVS was? Yes. I mean, probably. But my argument in the beginning of the year that worked was drawing a model since wide receiver three because Aaron Rodgers was throwing him the ball. Is a little bit less strong at the moment. Um, if you look at the Packers' offense, a lot of it has to do with coaching. But a target from Aaron Rodgers right now is not as valuable as it used to be. So I don't want to use either. Yo, Jason dropping hints right now. You guys don't even know. <laughs> um, shout out to everyone that's about to find out. Jason dropping some hints. Um, Michael, so you said you would definitely start Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, would you start Jimmy Graham? Well, I didn't say I'd definitely start well, him. All right, all right. Said, Sorry. Yeah, let me tell you that again. If you're the MVS owner, you would be comfortable plugging in Equinemius St. Brown in that spot. 
Yeah, I have Equinemius as my 47th receiver this week. They, okay, so. so yeah, definitely not a must start, but yeah. uh, but in terms of like if you're an MVS owner, you're comfortable with the with the swap out. But what about Jimmy Graham? He did not practice again, but that's probably precaution. He's probably not going to be practicing any Wednesday throughout the entire year remaining. Um, is Jimmy Graham someone that two for 34 with the broken thumb last week? He was a rumor bust. I, I mean, Jimmy Graham, he's another guy that we told you, like, stay, do not touch him with a 10-foot pole in that sixth, seventh round like range that he was going in earlier this year. Uh, how do you guys feel about Jimmy Graham? Listen, I had a lot of strong convictions coming into the season. Two of them that I was most certain about was one, don't draft Ronald Jones. <laughs> that <laughs> ended up being tremendous. Number two, don't draft Jimmy Graham because the Packers don't use their tight end. They trick people into drafting their tight end every year just because of Aaron Rodgers and their tight ends suck. Period. Guess what, folks? Jimmy Graham sucks. He has 80 fantasy points on the season. It's week 13. All right? I mean, I don't know what else to say about Jimmy Graham. He has two touchdowns on the season. He hasn't reached double digits since week nine. He's, he's done. He has a broken thumb. He, he can't run anymore. It's, it's over for Jimmy Graham. If you have him, you can't be starting him. And the nail goes in the coffin. I mean, Actually, the coffin in the nail. Oh, you are buried, Jimmy Graham. Michael, put you in your grave, yeah. Sayonara. All right. <laughs> Sayonara, Jimmy Graham. Um, speaking of good tight ends, though, the number three tight end on the year just got a giant boost. Let's go on to the next game. It is the Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the big news because that came out of absolutely nowhere kidney injury for Jack Doyle, um, a very gut-wrenching blow for the earmuffs. My team in my yearly league, who was on an absolute tear, scoring like 147 a game the past two weeks, I mean the past three weeks in uh, half-point PBR. 147, that's cute. All right, get out of here with you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was on a roll, and then freaking this guy goes down, and my tight end woes continue. So Eric Ebron... Do you see him possibly in the Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey territory with this injury now? I mean, listen, I, I, let's slow your old jabroni because I have a bone to pick with you. Somehow, Michael has Eric Ebron ranked as a seventh tight end, which is like ranking him as a 30th wide receiver, which is absolutely absurd. 11 touchdowns this year. 11 touchdowns this year. He's seen. I have the number here. 10 targets per game when Doyle isn't in. Five catches per game when Doyle isn't in. Jacksonville is eighth worst against a tight end because that's where you should attack them in the middle of the field with your tight end. Andrew Luck loves throwing to his tight ends. Last week, Mo Ali Cox sat out a game, and that resulted in Ebron having a better game because of those one or two extra targets. Andrew Luck has multiple touchdown passes, three touchdown passes or more in how many games in a row, and you're going to sit here and rank Eric Ebron seven. Shall we discuss? Eric Ebron is <laughs> Kelsey, Ertz, any which order, Ebron Kittle. All right, Jay, here we go. Ertz, Kelsey, oh. just doing two of them. George Kittle, your favorite guy in the world. You're not starting over Eric Ebron against Jacksonville. I have Kittle fourth. You're bugging. Cameron Brake. comes a time where quarterback play counts. If Kittle had Andrew Luck as quarterback, he'd probably be number one. Cameron Brake going against Carolina. Starting him over Brady. Carolina is the last ranked team against tight ends in fantasy. Cameron Brady, I'm happy to start as my seventh tight end where he belongs. 
Greg Olson against Tampa. Tampa is the fourth worst team. Oh my goodness, you're gonna start Greg Olson again over Eric Ebron this week, Michael. You've been Rob on Gronkowski. Fire Michael, you've been on fire this week. Sit your ass down with this one, boy. Ah, uh, you guys smell that? Smell a bet coming. <laughs> All right, Greg Olson versus Eric Ebron. It's gonna be the easiest bet I've ever made. I mean, I have Greg Olson, Eric Ebron, six, seven. All right, what do you want to bet that? I have him at seven. You have him at three. I say he's not top five. There you go. Oh, my God. I will take that every single day twice on Thursday. Guys, Eric Ebron, last time he played Jacksonville, his numbers are a bit skewed because of how ridiculously efficient he was in the red zone. The only reason why this bet is bullshit. Listen, listen, listen. He had two receptions, both touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. You think that's going to happen again? Oh, well, it's happened in every game except two. <laughs> he has yeah. 11 touchdowns. Doyle's gone. Which uh, may, this brings me to my next point, though. For guys who is who were Doyle guys, Moelle Cox, if he's back this week, last two games before he went down, touchdown, touchdown, his targets went up from one target to four targets, to one reception to two receptions. So there is a, a, a trend there. He's one of the biggest guys in the history of the world, if you look at him. He's 6'5", 267. Play, plays even bigger than that. Are you considering starting Moali Cox if he plays? I feel like he's going to be the new Eric Ebron when Doyle is playing, except I would, I, in, a, I, oh man, in a less I, reliable role, though. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. I ho- I, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Ebron's a great player. That's all I know. Michael, how do you feel about Mo? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to trust him this week, but if he steps into a bigger role, then he's definitely someone you could consider. Dark Horse candidates coming around the corner for fantasy MVP guys who are just propelling teams is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was going in like the ninth round, and those guys who kept Andrew Luck and stashed him through all the arm concerns and all that, congratulations because you have yourself a top five fantasy quarterback. He has three touchdowns thrown in, I think, six straight games. Is that correct? Yeah, he's fucking unreal. Three and six straight games, he cannot be stopped right now. And a big reason for that is the tight ends. But also, uh, his other passing option, uh, T.Y. Hilton, has come alive, as Andrew Luck has also come alive. Uh, how do you guys feel about the passing options outside of the of the tight end in Indianapolis? And where do you see Andrew Luck this week? By the way, you're getting your advice from the number two overall fantasy pro at quarterback rankings last week. Jason, the one and only Jason Patrop. So let's start with you, Jason. Andrew Luck, where do you got him in your quarterback rankings this week? Thank you, good sir. Um, I have Andrew Luck at <clears throat> 10. Uh, I'm cool with starting him. The problem is that there are just a lot of very good matchups this week, like all over the board. There's no more bye weeks. So 10 is higher than it sounds. He's had three touchdowns or more in every game. I just think that... This is a game where the Colts can run away with it early. Uh, they're also in Jacksonville, so it might the Jaguars defense might be playing with a little bit more push. Uh, maybe try to back up their new quarterback Kessler a little bit more. So it's hard to not like Andrew Luck if you have him. You're starting him, Michael T.Y. in the passing options. What do you think? T.Y. Music to my ears. T.Y. Hilton coming back to life. I said if. Uh, Luck continues to get the coverage that he's been getting by the offensive line. T.Y. is going to eat, and he did eat again last week. This week is obviously uh, one of the toughest matchups you can get as a wide receiver against Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. 
still based on overall volume and big play potential, I have him as my wide receiver 16, Jason has him at 18, 17th overall. Otherwise, I am not trusting the likes of Dontrell Inman this week or Ryan Grant or anyone else out there, just Ebron and Hilton for the pass catchers. I think I think Hilton is in for a big game. I think I would I would have him ranked as a wide receiver one this week. I just think that the Jaguars they fired their offensive coordinator, they switched quarterbacks, uh, they have their they have seven losses. He doesn't want no part of nothing. He's out. Jalen Ramsey's checked out. I think the Colts are going to put it on the Jaguars this week. I, I do not think that Jalen Ramsey's checked out. Uh, we'll see this week. Marlon Mack, how are you feeling about Marlon? Uh, well, if he plays, because he's doing, he's in the concussion protocol right now. If he doesn't play, I don't like any of his backups. It'll probably be a Hines-Wilkins mix against a pretty stout run defense. I think Hines is a good play if, if Mack can't go. I guess, but if I'm looking at Mack right now, I think he's at best a back end RB two flex play. So if I'm downgrading the players there, where am I really going to leave Hines? It's the way I look at it. Uh, Mac has been good, but he's Jacksonville is an underrated defense, even though they've been giving up points. A lot of it has, uh, it hasn't really been on the ground too much. Marlon Mack has showed up in good matchups and has dudded in bad matchups. This is one of those matchups where he's been dudding all year. Uh, a little bit of a update as of seven minutes ago. Doug Marone says Jalen Ramsey's status versus the Colts is uncertain. Says Sports Illustrated, and also Jaguars Wire says the Jags are highly concerned about Jalen Ramsey's chances to play versus the Colts. Snap! That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. There was no news about that. So big, checked big, out right big injury <laughs> to keep an eye on. Well, look, if he, if he's actually checked out of the game, that's also a good sign. <laughs> um, what about? I, I think also not for nothing. I think the Colts defense is a shady streamer this week. I mean, the Colts defense has been, I don't even think you call them shady anymore. They've been streamers basically all season, but yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah, against a backup quarterback. Definitely and... not the Jaguars defense. Who would have thunk it? Think about it. They got a backwards. They got a backwards. They got a backup quarterback. They got their offensive guard, their all pro Andrew Newell is out for the season. They got Eric Fisher starting at left tackle right now. Um, wh- what else? They have, they have a brand new offensive scheme that I already mentioned that. Oh, and Leonard Fournette's out. How could I forget Leonard Fournette's out? Let's go over to the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette is out. Carlos High, TJ Yeldon. I would play both of them. Uh, I'm on the Yeldon boat, not so much Carlos Hyde. I'm not really interested in the guy who's going to get more carries. I think that Carlos Hyde is the... Do I want the guy who's going to have 12 carries, or do I want the guy that's going to have 8 carries and 10, 7 targets? Yeldon caught 4 or 5 targets for 36 yards and a touchdown the last time Kessler played. Uh, he also caught five passes versus the Colts in Week 10. Indy's allowing seven receptions per game to backfields, 31st in the league. Uh, Kessler is a dink-and-dunk quarterback who likes to use his running backs and short passes and stuff of that sort, so I like Yeldon over the two. Uh, with that with that being said, there's really no one else you could possibly even consider starting. Yeah, from no. that team. Team, not really. Uh, if you're looking for a flex play from the wide receivers, it's either Moncrief or Didi. Uh, Moncrief's been a little bit more consistent. Didi's found the end zone. New quarterback. A little bit more and is playing the slot. New quarterback, though. For what it's worth, last time it was Cody Kessler. It was Keelan Cole who led the team in the receptions. So you know my theory about backup quarterbacks and number two receivers. So I mean, 
you really want to be the guy who uh, starts uh, Jaguars wide receiver in week 13? Nope. All right, let's uh, move on to our next game. Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Um, Houston's defense has been absolutely tremendous. I think it's a big test for the Browns. You see them have two wins in a row against two teams that a lot of people consider contenders, but I consider both to be very overrated, the Falcons and the Bengals. But let's go to those Browns, 35 points. Baker Mayfield absolutely killed it last game, 19 for 26, 258 and four touchdowns. Uh, didn't do much on the ground, but that's all right. He did it all through the air. Um, but again, this is a tougher matchup for him. Uh, how do you like Baker's chances against the Texans defense that has been tremendous and has a defensive line that he's honestly never even seen the likes of even close before? Yeah. Baker Mayfield, the last two weeks, has had at least 20 pass attempts. This is from PFF. A pass rating of 140 or better and zero sacks. The last time that ever happened was Drew Brees in weeks 10 to 11. That's it. Baker Mayfield is already in a class of his own with Drew Brees and won the category in his rookie season. So, but Baker Mayfield is the absolute truth. Shout out to Baker Mayfield. But, sadly, against Houston, I don't love him. They are two fast-paced teams, which help uh, Baker Mayfield. They should run more plays uh, this week than usual. Not really. I mean, Houston, you can call them fast-paced, but it's fast-paced rushes. Deshaun Watson doesn't throw more than 25s a game. So, well, overall plays per game, they're both maybe I phased it wrong. They both run, they're both like top 10 in plays per game. No, I'm aware of what you're saying, but what I'm saying is the Texans will run 50 plays in, uh, in half the game and take up half the game, whereas another team can take up a quarter and run 50 plays. I, I think I'm wording it wrong as well, but. They run a lot of plays, but they also run a lot of clock is the point I'm getting at. All right. Well, either way, I have Baker Mayfield as my quarterback 15 with zero teams on by for the rest of the season. you got to have a good matchup, really, to be in the top 12 QBs. Houston is a stout pass defense. They have been all year. They have a beast defensive line. It's just it's not good for quarterbacks to go up against Houston. So I don't love Baker Mayfield this week. Let's talk about Nick Chubb. He had another outstanding game, two touchdowns, but inefficient on the ground, 28 for 84, but made up for that in the air with hyper-efficiency, three for 44 in the air. Again, uh, two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. He's been an absolute stud. Um, do you think that his prowess continues against, again, a Houston's defense that has been fantastic against the run? Well, the last two games, he's had at least three catches in both. Uh, he made a spectacular touchdown catch last game. So the fact that he's forming a little bit of a floor in the passing game definitely helps. And they're just not shy about giving him the ball. He gets around 20 touches per game at least, even if they're down. So that's someone that, especially with the way he's been running, uh, he's one of PFF's highest-rated runners. He, uh, It seems like every time he touches the ball, he's doing something dynamic. He's, he's someone you want to truck out there as an RB1. Uh, and just real quick about Nick Chubb, they have – I, I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. I do have him as a running back 11 this week, but I don't know if the ceiling for the last two weeks is going to be there. I don't absolutely love him this week like I did the last couple weeks just because they may fall behind against Houston and then Duke Johnson would be more involved. So just keep that in mind. Let's say you're facing elimination from the playoffs and you're facing a decision 
Are you playing a guy like Nick Chubb or are you taking a chance on on a one week kind of new hotness like Austin Eckler or Josh Adams or Chubb? Yeah, Chubb. so you're going you're going with Chubb over like the one week hotnesses. Yes. All right. Um let's go over the passing options. Uh, Antonio Callaway continues to be productive. Four for 62 with a touchdown. Uh, Jarvis Landry is completely or is just gone from this offense. Uh, Jason texted the group chat. Yep, yep. Yeah. Say, it, say it for me, Tim. Flex for me. Jason, Jason uh, texted the group chat earlier. He said, remember when we all said that, that uh, Jarvis Landry was going to be a waiver wire pickup by the middle of the season? Well, here we go. Yeah, I think it's it's okay we to all, drop. When we all said, "Fine, take my credit, bro." Yeah, was, it was, it just, was it just you? I thought you said we all said it. You said we. Your text says we. Well, I meant to say I because I was trying to rub <laughs> it in. You're trying to rub it in. You you sent yes. a smiley emoji. I thought you were like being a friendly guy. No, it was. I, sh- a, I should was know a, better. I should know. It was a flexing. contentious smile. <laughs> <laughs> I should know it. Um. All right. So. Obviously, you're not in love with Jarvis Landry. What about uh, David Njoku, who got carried into the end zone last week and Antonio Galloway? Real quick, though, Jarvis Landry, uh, since we're talking about his demise, he only has 17 targets the last three games. The last two weeks, 68 and 61% snap shares, both season lows. It went down 7% from week 11 to 12. So, yeah, it's ugly for Landry. But Njoku, love me some David Njoku. The Texans are actually get beat the worst by the tight end, which is good for David Njoku, who had a solid game last week and that super tremendously awesome touchdown where he tried diving in from like the four-yard line, <laughs> just got caught in the air, and then the offensive lineman pushed him into the end zone. It was uh, great. Yo, what was that? I, forward progress was stopped. Give me a break with that shit. No. Yes. It was, it was completely stopped. I mean, You're it was cool, out. whatever. It didn't he make got, a difference. He landed and then they just started pushing him. How yeah, that forward progress? he landed and then like his his entire body weight was going backwards, and then the offensive lineman comes in and shoves him forward. You're not to do that. Bugging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey, go ahead. What do you want me to do? Any of the receivers? <laughs> Break down football, Jason. That's why we have this podcast. <laughs> okay, let's talk about someone on the Browns. Um. Houston's allowed three touchdowns in the last three games to tight ends, so I do like Njoku as well. I'm going to side with Michael on this one. And then uh, Duke Johnson can't really be deployed as RB2 at the moment. He's not seeing enough volume. The last two weeks, he's kind of reverted back to his old ways. I mean, he's seeing a little more work than he did with Hugh Jackson, but not as much as we thought he would after Freddie Kitchen's first game. Let's go on to the Houston Texans. Lamar Miller bursts a 97-yard uh, touchdown. Um, what? That was insane to see him still have those, just that burst that you thought he kind of was missing after all that. You know, he's he's getting up there. He's 27 years old. You know, he's getting there. He's getting there. But he, he burst through that line, 97 yards. He's all of a sudden become our RB2 that you could trust on. And he has a easy matchup going forward. Uh, one of those matchups is this week. So how are we feeling about Lamar Miller? Yeah, I mean, I guess Lamar Miller needs to be in a timeshare in order to be good. Because once again, he basically like split touches with Alfred Blue, but Lamar Miller was a beast. Even besides his 97-yard touchdown, he averaged like five yards a carry. I have him as my running back 18 on the week. We both do. He's got a consensus running back 18. So, I mean, yeah, if you have him, you're deploying him. 
Deshaun Watson, two touchdowns again. Uh, nine carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Deshaun Watson owner's dream scenario. Um, how do you like Deshaun Watson against the Browns defense that's been – it he's has been, holes. He's been hyper-efficient basically on the Russell Wilson-esque level. As I mentioned earlier, he hasn't thrown for more than 25 pass attempts and going almost on like eight weeks now. So he's going to have to throw touchdowns and use his legs. For that reason, I have him as a back-end quarterback one. I feel like he has a low floor for that reason if he's not using his legs and he's not uh, throwing a hyper-efficient amount of touchdowns. But again, he's been able to put up quarterback one numbers in this type of offense, and Cleveland is not a daunting matchup. Uh, Michael, the pass catching options, DeAndre Hopkins uh, is a must-start. So let's talk about the other guys. Kiki Kuti, not practicing. Um, and you have... Demarius Thomas, who went from a donut to two touchdowns, which Demarius Thomas is the real one, and which Demarius Thomas could we expect in this game? Real one, real one. Um, I don't love Demarius Thomas. I haven't really been on his bandwagon all year, and it's been mostly right up until basically last week, but I do think he has some wide receiver three appeal. Uh, Kiki QT did not – or did he practice, or was he limited? He was limited in practice. He left the game with an – Injury last week. If QT plays, I'm not loving DT, but if he doesn't, Thomas should continue to get red zone work and get get some more targets. He only had five targets last week. Two of them just happened to be in the end zone and caught. So he is pretty touchdown dependent. Uh, all right. Do you guys want to mention anyone else in this game, or is he ready to move on? I'm cool. Any, love for, Alfred, any love for Alfred Blue? No. Come on, Sean. All right, let's go over to our next game: Carolina Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, like usual, when you start your Tampa, when you're against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, start all your Panthers. I love everyone in this matchup. Uh, I think, I mean, it's hard to predict who's going to do what from this team, but this is a perfect spot for a bounce back on a Panthers team that needs a win. Uh, it's in the division, so they're familiar with the opponent. Cam Newton has been playing well. Christian McCaffrey went absolutely ape shit last game. Um. So you're obviously starting Christian McCaffrey, but let's start against these pass catching options. Curtis Samuel has been hyper efficient with all the things that he's been getting. Uh, Jarius Wright's been involved, although not fantasy relevant. And DJ Moore has emerged as the number one receiver outside of Christian McCaffrey. He led the team wide receivers by foreign targets, eight for 91 last game. Uh, Devin Funch is nowhere to be seen. So because he was injured. Right, right. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you say that it sounds like he just no, sucked. No, oh, okay, fine. You, I, I see where you go. I see your point, but I'm in nowhere to be seen. Like he wasn't even on the field. All right. Yeah. DJ <laughs> yeah. Moore, back to back games with 90 receiving yards, uh, 17 total targets over the past two weeks. He's emerging. He's the 14th ranked PFF wide receiver. So it's not just from volume. He's just been playing a very good wide receiver basically all season. He's our wide receiver 19. We both have him at 19 this week. I'd probably take him down a little bit if Devin Funches does return. But as of now, I'm just treating it as if Funches isn't in. But if he does return, I'll probably lower. He What's is, funny is right now he's listed as doubtful. DJ Moore's emergence came like right after he disappointed against Tampa Bay in week nine. Mm -hmm. So now is the time where he will get his chance against Tampa Bay. Also, Curtis Samuel He's our actually our consensus wide receiver 46. Looks like me and Jason are dead set on our Carolina receivers this week. 
not loving it because he is super, super risky. But, I mean, if you are really that desperate, you could do worse as a flex option. Greg Olson made a stink in the media about needing to get the ball more. Does the squeaky wheel get the oil today? No, well, this week? The Bucks suck against tight ends just like they suck against every other division, uh, excuse me, position. So, yeah, I think Greg Olson gets involved. Jason? Uh, I mean, Greg Olson's established himself as a low-volume red zone threat. You have to start him against Tampa Bay. It's a good odds he finds the end zone. I'll just move over to Christian McCaffrey. My big gripe with him coming into the year was his lack of red zone usage. I had a point. It was true for most of the season. Yeah. And then he went on this giant little explosion. Giant, giant little. little. It was very contradictory. This, <laughs> this short explosion. And within that time, he's leading the league in touches within the 10-yard line. So Ron Rivera just did a 180 and decided that he was going to give the ball to his uh, player that he was using as a scat back in the red zone. And with touches inside the 10 come touchdowns against the Buccaneers. So Christian McCaffrey, I have as my second running back this week. You saw him get a bunch of looks in the red zone, including at the goal line where he jumped you know, over a pile of people. It was, it was kind of crazy to see like <laughs> a short little white guy getting goal line back work. He was uh, the, uh, the 15th player ever with a hundred rushing, a hundred receiving yards and a touchdown in each department as well. Unbelievable. He put up 40 for me across many leagues last week, and I was highly thankful for that. Uh, let's go over to the other side of the field with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston comes back and has a pretty good game. Uh, 29 for 38, 312, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which if you're a Jameis Winston guy, you're like, hallelujah. Uh, but he is now playing a better defense, and he has the tendency to – when he's people are like, oh yeah, Jameis, Jameis just completely shit the bed. So how do you feel about Jameis Winston as a streamer this week against Carolina? Why are we still all right, Tim, 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 Tim? Bad move, bad move using that S word. Oh, okay. How do you feel about Jameis Winston as a streamer as a player? Tampa Bay quarterbacks are quarterback ones. Period. It's that simple. Every week they put up quarterback one numbers. Combined, when one of them gets benched, they put up Period. quarterback numbers. But that's you can't it. you can't say that. That's that's one thing that I think the most misleading stat that's been going around fantasy circles so far has been, hey, if you take these players and you 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 know set them out there having the third best fantasy year of all time. Yeah, well, two of those performances came when Jameis Winston was so bad that Fitz had to come in, and when Fitz was so bad, Jameis Winston had to come in. You can't start the backup. You can't start a tandem. That's not the point I'm making. The it's point I'm making is that. Point. So they, they put up quarterback one numbers no matter who's throwing the ball. And Jameis Winston's not going to get benched again no matter how bad he does. But here's the thing, though. They don't put up quarterback one numbers. The backup comes in and puts quarterback one numbers after the starter, in this case Jameis, put up six points. And Jameis Winston has busted, which is 16 points or lower, three separate occasions this year. He is. Dude, I, I think that Jameis because he's only playing half the game. If, I've, if he played the second half... He would have done like what? He, he had make up for it. He had three. He had three interceptions. Fine, and then he comes out in the second half and starts filling it still, and throws five interceptions total. But in the Tampa Bay offense, he's still going to throw four touchdowns. Uh, I don't know. I I don't agree with you in your Jameis Winston is a must play every week theory. Um, but I, I it's, I'm it's comfortable. Not a theory. I, but I am comfortable playing him this week. With that being said, uh, yeah, let's, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Michael. It's 
if you have Jameis Winston or if he's available, pick him up and start him. Uh, Mike Evans. Bottom five against quarterbacks. Mike Evans, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, the pass catching options. Also, let's not forget Jaquiz Rogers, who has established himself as a pass catching back. Uh, every year, Jaquiz Rogers comes out of nowhere and tells everyone that the Matrix is real. <laughs> um, so, how do we feel about the pass catching options? Gotta love Cameron Brait. Yeah, Brait is a quarterback, oh, a tight end one. Brait and Winston probably. Uh, live together and tell each other bedtime stories. <laughs> the guy that I like the most after, I mean, besides Mike Evans, Adam Humphreys, I have him ranked at 26th. I asked Michael, I was like, dude, is it crazy to rank Adam Humphreys at 26? But you know what? I don't give a shit. He has double-digit points in four of his last five games. Last week, he had six targets on six receptions. Uh, the week before that, three on three catches on five targets. Jameis Winston is good targeting the middle of the field. That's why he's good with Cameron Brady. He's good at targeting that area. I've mentioned it before. Humphreys is that guy. Uh, so I like Humphreys a lot this week. And then uh, I'm sure Michael probably has something to say about this. If Deshaun Jackson misses time, Chris Godwin has always been good in his career. Uh, if Jackson or Evans were out, push into a bigger role. So Godwin is also someone to watch. Michael? Yeah, uh, if DJX is out, Chris Godwin has had mucho success in games that Deshaun Jackson has missed dating back to last year. So he becomes a wide receiver three. Hey, guys, I got to interrupt the scheduled programming. We just got quote tweeted from Snacks Harrison. <laughs> yeah, he quote tweeted what I tweeted about. Yeah, he said Siri finally did something right. That's great. <laughs> I'm totally going to attach what I tweeted before about following us to that so that everyone that sees his tweet sees what we do. Bang, bang. Hey. How about that? Wow, good thing I tagged him. I was about to tweet. I was like, you know what? Let me tag Snacks Harrison. To see. Did you see the tweet, Tim? Uh, now I see it. Uh, yeah, I was texting. Tag. I typed in Snacks to my girlfriend and it automatically capitalized and then tried predicting Harrison as the next word. That's how often <laughs> I type Snacks Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so are you guys want to talk about anyone else in this game? Oh, uh, lost my train of thought because Snack Harrison. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry, Jason. Michael, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Godwin, Humphreys, and uh, I'm just going to assume DJX is out. If he does play, then I wouldn't trust him or Godwin. Deshaun Jackson has really fallen from where he was in the beginning of the year. Hasn't reached double digits since week eight. So there goes that. Uh, don't like Peyton Barber at all in a tough matchup against Carolina, although he did score a touchdown last week and he does get the touches. I think he's more of a flex option, though. And uh, Jaquiz Rogers, I think, was more of just game script last week. I mean, not even not really game script. He's just he's super res dependent on pass catching work, and Peyton Barber gets all the rushes. I'm not trusting Jaquiz Rogers anywhere. It's Peyton Barber is the back to own there, but. He's more of a flex option this week against Carolina. Guys, it's time. Bills at Miami Dolphins. Sit your bills, but not maybe not this week because yeah. Josh Allen. Oh, uh, is, oh, oh. Hold Tim. on, hold on, hold on. Tim. I'm going to start with Josh Allen because I know you're talking about someone else. I know you are, but I'm going to start with Josh Allen and then we'll get there. Josh Allen, dude, this guy runs. And that makes him a high ceiling, a high floor player. Is it time to start considering him? Now, not this week because you're playing for something that matters. Is this time to start considering him as a possible streamer? No. Buffalo has four wins. Jesus Christ, what the hell happened? 
Come on, man. No, he's not a streamer. It's He's been entirely unpredictable when it comes to when he runs. And the only time that he's a decent streamer is when he's running. And we have to hope that he finds the end zone. So please get out of here with this Josh Allen as a streamer thing. All right. The person right. I actually like, Dang. the reason why I'm upset I can't yell sit your bills is I think LaShawn McCoy is a decent play this week. Yeah, uh, he's been good this season with Josh Allen. He's been pretty atrocious with uh, any other quarterback, predictably. He's seeing nearly 20 touches per game. Miami's allowing almost 100 yards, over 100 yards to opposing running backs in re- recent weeks. So I think McCoy is a decent RB2. I'm with Jason on this one, man. I am not trusting uh, Josh Allen, Tim. Sorry to break your bubble. <laughs> Although if he does rush for another, what, 90 yards, was it, and a touchdown last week, which is basically an RB1 these days, maybe I'll give him a shot, but not this week after uh, – because he's done it in the past and then sucked it up after that. Definitely not starting any wide receiver options, not starting any tight end options. It's Shady McCoy only just because the Dolphins are a good defense everywhere else except against the run. So there you go. Just Shady McCoy. All right, let's go over to the Dolphins side. Uh, how do you feel about the guys here? Because Kenyon Drake, last week it looked like he was going to take the next step, and then he got hurt. Um, what's the deal? Are you trusting Kenyon Drake? If he plays. Uh, absolutely not. It's been pretty predictable when Drake has been good or not. It's been when the Dolphins have to be in comeback mode and score points. And last week was pretty predictable with them facing Andrew Luck. So this week against the Bills, who, believe it or not, Tim, even if you want to start Josh Allen, it's not an offense you're afraid of. <laughs> So I don't think it's a game that you're going to need Kenyon Drake to catch eight passes and score a touchdown that way. He's only seeing – he's still barely even seeing any rushing touches. So it's not a game that I'm using Kenyon Drake. And the Dolphins' defense. How are you feeling about the Dolphins' defense? Jason likes the Dolphins' defense more than I do. Um, I just see the Bills running a super conservative offense, kind of like what they did last week. Josh Allen hardly really threw. It was a, just a lot of running. And they, they did pretty well on that. Just trust your defense and try to just move the ball as best you can on the offensive side. So I don't love the Dolphins' uh, turnover potential. I'd actually prefer the Bills' defense this week, who's who have been super dynamic this year. One of the shadiest uh, good teams in the league this year is the Denver Broncos. They visit Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Uh, this is our last game of the docket, so let's actually start on the on the Broncos' side because they're the away yeah. team. Uh Let's let's start with them. Cortland Sutton has not been uh, nearly the player that you have envisioned that he would be when you first got uh, the opportunity. So, I mean, how do you feel about Cortland Sutton? Tim, you uh, you disregarded me when I said Tim. Oh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I was going to say Tim. Jeff Howerman is gone, man. Yeah, what is Jason supposed to do? I don't know. Jason. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Talk about Matt Lacoste. Oh, yeah. Oh, snap. Jeff Heuerman's replacement who found the end zone already because Case Keenum loves throwing to his tight ends in the red zone. So Matt Lacoste is a name to look at because if you look at it, he was getting a little bit of work with um, when Heuerman was healthy. So now Lacoste is all by himself out there. Uh, Jake Butt's injured. Great guy, that Jake Butt. So... I, I think Lacoste, I have him as my 12th tight end. And then if we look at Cortland Sutton, really, guys? If there's ever going to be a week to use Cortland Sutton, at least once this year, 
it has to be against the Bengals. Right. So I just think that the situation is too good. Case Keenum has such a great opportunity, even with a little bit of targets, Sutton can make something happen. So I like him as upside wide receiver three play this week. Do you not like there's bust potential? Not for nothing. Nothing. I called Cortland Sutton being probably one of the wastest big time pickups of the uh, I said wastest, wasteful big time quote unquote pickups of the year because Keenum couldn't cannot um hold up two different wide receivers and Sand is just clearly the wide receiver one. But like Jason said, against Cincinnati, if Sutton doesn't do something now, also real quick about uh, Jeff Hewerman leaving. He had the second overall red zone targets amongst all tight ends on the year. So red zone targets are a plenty now. So Sutton hopefully gets more involved in the red zone, which should help him as well. So if you're going to trust Sutton of any week, it's going to be this week, but I wouldn't feel great about it. But I do have him as a wide receiver three. Um, Philip Lindsay is a animal. True story. Yeah. Who looks like uh, Dancing Rick? Case Keenum. Is he a streamer this week? Damn, we're just going to ignore Dancing Rick? I thought it was a good comparison. I mean, he doesn't look anything like Dancing Rick. Did you see his post-game interview? It looked like Dancing Rick. A little like Dancing Rick. All right. All right. Well, I want to talk about the running backs for a little bit because it's sort of a Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue type thing going on where Royce Freeman had 14 touches the last two games. Lindsay has 29. So, yes, Freeman's taking looks away, but Lindsey is just killing it, and he's still getting the amount of touches that you want someone to get. He's another so, guy where I feel like him getting spelled every once in a while is good for his production. Yeah. He's, he's, been, also, better with, he's been better with Freeman on the field. Yeah, because he just – I mean, he's dynamic, and if he has legs rested and still sees two-thirds of the things, then I'm fine with that, of the rushes. Uh, if you look at the Broncos' offense as a whole, though, to talk about Keenum – they have 14 rushing touchdowns on the season and 14 passing touchdowns. Uh, my best bet would be to bet on Philip Lindsay. Uh, maybe even Freeman can sneak into the end zone. Case Keenum, with all these options out there, I, I didn't. Even, I was talking about how uh, who Dak Prescott. Maybe I was ranking outside of the top back Baker Mayfield. All those guys who, on other weeks, I might consider as quarterback one plays. There's no way that I'm going to consider Keenum a quarterback one play with all those guys not even in the topic. Um, all right, so let's go to our final team of the week, the Bengals, who, I mean, at this point, if you're an A.J. Green owner, the injury to A.J. Green has to have you thinking that he might not even come back this week. And no, he's, he said he's playing this week. I mean, he said he played, was going to play last week. I don't trust anything until I see him on the field. If he's no, I believe him. He, he really he meant it this time. He was talking about how he's definitely not shutting himself down like in 2016 and they asked about Jeff Driscoll, and he was like, throw it, and I'll catch it. Well, Jason, I, you sound like an abused ex-girlfriend. Like, Don't worry, man. You're don't right. you dare talk bad don't about him. Don't go back. Listen, I have A.J. Green in a Broto League, and right now my replacement is Josh Doxson, so I'm holding out hope, right? <laughs> um, Tyler Boyd, does he get helped out or hurt by this? Because, like I said, I really like the tight end and the backup and the number two option passing-wise when the backup quarterback is in. So you saw Tyler Boyd get the big get uh, the big game, uh, 85 yards and a touchdown. Also had a big bomb called back on a penalty that would have got him another 45 yards. Um, 
So Tyler Boyd had a big game, missed out on a giant game just by a little bit. John Ross continues to score touchdowns. CJ Uzuma actually had six receptions, and most of those came with Jeff Driscoll. Uh, Joe Mixon, another seven receptions. So they were not scared to throw it. If you are playing these Bengals options, uh, I kind of like Boyd. I kind of like Uzuma. Like, talk me out of it. Talk me out of it. All right, not for uh, nothing. The Bengals were down 21 zip to the Browns in the first quarter. I mean, they'll be done again. But they, they had to start throwing basically right away. They'll, they'll have to start throwing again. This is one of the worst defenses in NFL history. Yes, but Jeff, Jeff Driscoll is closer to Lamar Jackson than he is Joe Flacco. And when that happens, you don't want the passing options. And Tyler Boyd has to go up against Chris okay. Harris. And Jeff Driscoll would prefer to run than pass. So I actually have Tyler Boyd as my 37th receiver. I have him as a flex play. I don't love it at all. So if, uh, Jay so Green, I have a 20. He's going to be playing injured. He doesn't have a very good quarterback. Sejo Uzuma, get out of here. Even when he gets 15 targets, he can't do anything. I have Tyler Boyd at 27. I think he's a solid wide receiver three, despite the matchup and the uh, the quarterback change of Jeff Driscoll. But I, I don't know how you could really rank him higher than that until we see something out of Jeff Driscoll. All right, so let me give you a couple of hypotheticals. Tyler Boyd or DJ Moore? DJ Moore. Tyler Boyd or Deshaun Jackson? If uh, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd or Corey Davis against the Jets, Davis. Yep. Tyler Boyd or Calvin Ridley versus Baltimore. Boyd. Eh, that one's close to me, but I'll go. Uh, I'll go Boyd. Uh, Co- Boyd or Galladay. Galladay. What kind Galladay. of dumbass question is that? <laughs> All right. So that is uh, it for our first episode. Uh, Michael, where can they find you? Mike underscore Uh Jason. Jason Petrop. At Snacks for Snacks. Harrison, who just retweeted us, Hollis Boy. Uh, you, can, you can find me at, um, what's my name again? At Tim Petrop. That's right. On all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. BrotoFantasy.com for everything you need. Follow me again for my, uh, my Tuesday flexes that have been going fantastic because my teams are on winning streaks and I've been three in a row, four in a week in all four of my leagues. You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling good going into the playoffs. I hope you feel the same. Catch us for part two coming up soon. Until then, We'll see you later. Later.